This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. We're a church that serves. Can someone say amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, well, we're going to get into the Word tonight. I'm trusting the Lord to do something very unique. I'm trusting the Lord that within my message, we're going to sense the presence of the Holy Spirit sweep through this place. I'm going to be praying for the folks and anointing you with oil for something very specific tonight that really stems from the message that I preached this morning. But before I get into it, um, let's pray. Shall we bow your heads with me and let's pray together. Those of you that are watching online, welcome. And you as much a part of the service as anyone here, although I would have preferred if you were here. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you this evening in the wonderful name of Jesus, trusting that you're going to do something really significant tonight, not because we've earned or deserved it, but because you love us and you want to see the kingdom expanded through us. And so we surrender ourselves to you tonight on this chilly autumn evening. We come here and we stand surrendered and say, Lord, here we are. Use us. Here we are. Send us. Here we are. Change us. Here we are, Lord. Sanctify us. Renew us and revive us. We ask this in the precious and wonderful name of your Son and our Lord Jesus Christ. And all those who agreed said, Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, if you weren't in the service this morning, I preached a message about changing your world. And the message really spoke to the, to the heart of how we can use our influence in order to change people's lives with the gospel and with our testimony. One of the quotes that I gave you this morning, and you'll see some people posted on social media, and I think it's quite, it's extremely powerful. I don't even know who quoted it. I can't remember, but it, it resonated so strongly with me, and it answers one of the most difficult questions when it comes to how we can effective witness, effectively witness. And this is what the quote says. The man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with a testimony. The man with an argument is always at the mercy of those with a testimony. And so I spoke about three areas of your life this morning that you can really make a change and impact the world for Jesus. Number one is with the people that God has put in your circle of influence. That's your family and friends. And every person has about 12 people, really, at any given time that they are closely related to that the Lord wants to use to reach those people for Jesus. The second was your place. Where it is you live and where it is you work. Very unique. And you can use your influence in with people or in your place to make a change. Then I concluded with, which is one of my personal favorites, and that is that the things that you are passionate about, you yourself, is a great platform whereby you can touch people's lives for Jesus. And if you were here this morning, you would have heard, you would have heard me um, use examples of how I used to do CrossFit. And I didn't even get that this morning. I used to do CrossFit and I led many people to the Lord Jesus. I ran a Christian growth seminar. Literally hundreds of people came to Christ as a result of something I was passionate about. And then I was passionate about riding motorbikes and I won 11 families to the Lord, just simply living out my passion, finding what I was, um, what I enjoyed doing and bringing people around me and gathering people around my passion and winning them to Jesus. I spoke about the fact that I love camping now recently. That's my most recent passion. You never know what you're going to get next with me. Um, you never know what's going to happen next week or what I'm going to be passionate about. And I realized that one of the weaknesses in my personality is I get bored very quickly. And so I change very quickly. I get different passions. But what I have figured out that it's a tremendous way to win people to Jesus. And so as a result of camping now, I've won people to the Lord Jesus, even in the remotest parts of South Africa. So I encourage the folks this morning to find out what it is 
that you are passionate about and that you can use as a platform to influence people for the kingdom of God. I ran out of time this morning to conclude with a very powerful portion of Scripture that has 12 blessings attached to it for those people whose spirituality does not extend to only coming to church and going home. This portion of Scripture and these 12 blessings are really reserved for those people who understand that they did not get saved for themselves, but they got saved in order to benefit others. Remember the jailer. We looked at that example this morning in Acts chapter 16. So for those believers who come to Jesus and are transformed by the gospel and understand that they were transformed in order to transform others, there are 12 blessings. And so I want to go through that this morning, <laughs> this evening, before I begin to speak on the anointing, because tonight I'm going to be teaching just briefly on the anointing and the anointing specifically to change people's lives of the gospel. That's what we're going to be looking at. I do believe there is an anointing on my life to lead people to Jesus. I'm not the type of person who when I came into ministry and my call was to equip the saints that I forgot about my personal responsibility to share my faith with others. So I'm always looking out to see who I can win for Jesus. And I know there is an anointing on my life to do that. I know and recognize there is an anointing on my life to influence people for, with the gospel of Jesus for the good and so that's what I've been praying and trusting the Lord to impart to you tonight as I anoint you with oil. But before we get onto that, let's get onto the 12. Let's get into the 12 blessings. And it's found in Isaiah chapter 58. I'm going to read from verse 5. Now, this has to do with fasting, but really it has to do with spirituality specifically. So I want you to bear with me as I, as I elaborate on this portion of Scripture. And this is what the Bible says. Well, God is speaking he says, is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves. You want to underline themselves. The Lord is saying, is this the kind of spirituality I really want from people? Is where they only care about themselves, where they want promotion, where they want to get saved, where they want their family to be blessed, where they want their children to be blessed. Is this the kind of spirituality I'm looking for, where you think it's just all about you? He goes on to say, is it only for bowing one's own head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes. Again, is this the level of your spirituality where you just come and worship a church on a Sunday, you go home and then you come back again next week? Is this the kind of thing you think I'm looking for? Is that what you call a fast? Is that what the extent of your spirituality is like? A day acceptable to the Lord? See, these are all finished with question marks. The Lord's asking questions here. Is it not, now he goes on to clarify, is the kind of spirituality that I as God am looking for, is it not the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and to untie the cords of the, of the, of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. So in a nutshell, if I may paraphrase for a moment, the Lord is saying, the kind of spirituality I'm looking for is the spirituality that influences others and doesn't just influence yourself. And the Lord says, if you come to that point where you realize you were saved to serve, 
when you get to that point, there are 12 very powerful blessings attached to the person that pours their life out like Paul and like Jesus did. I counted them, and here are the 12. Listen to this, the 12 blessings. Now, the converse is also true. If you're the kind of Christian that doesn't like to get into the game, you like to watch the game. You like to watch people serving. You like to watch people making a difference. You like to watch people give. You like to watch people preach. You like to watch people greet. You like to watch people go to groups. You like to hear about all that's going on, but you yourself, uh, you don't want to get into the game. You prefer watching the game. If you're that type of person, well, then the question mark is there. Do these 12 blessings really, are they really relevant for you? I don't know. You'd have to answer that yourself. But the Lord clearly says these 12 blessings are for those people who set the oppressed free, who share their food, who provide for the poor, who untie the cords, who bless people, who cast demons out, who see people set free. Let's read further. He says, if you do this, if this kind of spirituality that you've got is a practical spirituality that seeks to influence others, he says, then your light will break forth like the dawn. That's number one. And your healing will quickly appear, number two. Who would have thought that doing something good could lead to healing without you ever praying for it? You wouldn't even need to pray for healing. You just need to pour out your life for others. You just need to share your testimony, influence others, and your healing will come, the Bible says, and not, and not slowly, quickly. Then your righteousness will go before you. That's your reputation, the Bible says your reputation will precede you. God will make sure that your reputation goes before you. That's number three. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. The Lord will protect you from things you, weren't, you didn't even know were about to attack you. The Lord, can you imagine having God having your back? Say this, God's got my back. God's got my back. That's what the Bible says. He goes on to say, then you will call and the Lord will answer if, if our spirituality extends to others, the Bible says it even affects the way our prayers are responded to by God. That's a tremendous blessing right there. He says, you'll cry for help and he will say, here I am. You'll pray in the Lord, rock up just like that and say, here we go, here I am. That's number five. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with a pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourself in behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness. The Lord over here acknowledges that it won't always shine, but it won't always be dark either. Can someone say, thank you, Jesus? And your light will become like noonday. That's the sixth blessing. The Lord will guide you always. Praise you, Jesus. The Lord will guide you always, that's number seven, and he will satisfy your need in a sun-scorched land, that's number eight. And he will strengthen your frame, that's number nine. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail, that's the 10th blessing. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will rise up age-old foundations, number 11, and you will be called a repairer of the broken walls, restorer of the streets with dwellings. Isn't that a remarkable, remarkable 12 blessings for everyone who will spend their life influencing others? So I say that belongs to us. So let's get out there and get it done. Amen. If you preoccupy yourself serving other people, sharing your testimony and living a life that shines bright, the chances are pretty good. Listen to me. 
that you will find yourself not even praying for anything personally because the Lord will just come to your rescue and will come to your aid. Tremendous blessings there in Isaiah. So this moves me on to tonight's theme and that's what I wanna teach on for the rest of the few minutes that I have and that is that God has anointed us to bring change. If we hope, folks, if we hope to do all these things, loose the chains, untie the cords, set the oppressed free, share our food, provide for them, clothe them, let me tell you, it's gonna take something supernatural. We're not gonna be able to do it in our own strength. We're gonna need the anointing. And so tonight, I'm gonna teach for a few moments on the anointing, and then I'm gonna begin to pray for folks. But I want you to be expectant. The Lord's gonna do something significant here tonight. Say this, I believe tonight, as hands are laid on me, and oil is poured out on me. I'm gonna be anointed to change my world in the name of Jesus. Amen. So what is, what is the anointing? The anointing in simple terms is to smear or to rub oil on someone in order for them to fulfill a specific task or an assignment from God. More specifically, it is almost like smearing on God's nature, God's character, and God's power onto a person in order to produce the effortless success required to see the Lord glorified and lives to be changed. So the anointing simply means to smear and to rub. Now in the Old Testament, they would have what was called an anointing ceremony. Now this anointing ceremony was a shadow and type of what the New Testament fulfillment is, and I'll get onto that a bit later. But it was a shadow and type, and so here we see, for example, in the life of David, and we're gonna to go to that verse in a moment, here we see that God poured out of himself and his spirit onto David the moment the prophet came, Samuel came and anointed him. So go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 13. In 1 Samuel 16, verse 13, in the NIV, it says, So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him. Notice Samuel found David and anointed him. David never anointed himself. Too many people are self-anointed, self-appointed in the church of Jesus Christ today. In order for us to be anointed, it takes a man of God that recognizes the call of God to anoint us with the power of God. We see that in the case of Samuel and David. We see it in the case of Moses and Aaron. We see it in the case of Jesus and his disciples. We see it in the case of Elijah with Elisha. We see it in the case of Paul with Timothy and all of his disciples. So it takes a man of God to re who recognizes the call of God to anoint us with the power of God. Now, there was one exception to this, and that exception was Jesus himself. No one anointed Jesus. The Father anointed Jesus. And the reason for that is because there was no one greater than Jesus around. There was no one greater than Christ at that time, so the Lord anointed himself. But in every other case, in most other cases, it was a man that God had called to anoint someone who they recognized. And so it says in this verse, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. Took, take a look at what happened. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Notice Samuel didn't disciple 
David. He didn't stick around. He came there on assignment. He poured the oil over David. And from that moment on, the power of God in preparation for David's kingship, kingship began to move mightily through his life. From this example here, we can see that David was being marked by God. Just like Aaron was marked and set apart by God through Moses. And you can read about that in Leviticus chapter 8. So God is smearing his nature onto David. Why? Because he wants people to know that David is divinely backed by God. He wants people to know that David's got my backing. I've appointed him. I've anointed him. No man has done it. I have done it. And so therefore he carries my power. He carries my authority and he carries my backing. And tonight when you are anointed with oil, it's exactly the same as far as influencing your world is concerned. The moment you step out in faith and begin to do and begin to change and begin to influence, the Lord says, you're doing it with my authority. You're doing it with my backing and you're doing it with my power. It's not you doing the witnessing. It's God doing the witnessing through you. Amen? Listen, we can't do the Holy Ghost job. All we can do is speak. The transformation has to happen between our speech and the Lord working on that person. And let me tell you, there is an anointing out there to be able to do that. So David was marked with oil. But more significantly, he was marked by the Holy Spirit. Now, God anointed kings. As is seen in the Old Testament, God anointed prophets. You can read about that in 1 Kings 19, verse 16. I'm not going to read about that. God anointed priests. You can read about that in Exodus 28, and verse 41. And on the rare occasion, God even anointed objects. And he spoke about consecrating them, separating them. You can read about that in Exodus 29 and verse 36. But you know what's interesting to note? That oil is still used even in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it was a type, but in the New Testament, it's still used. And we find this in Mark chapter 6 and verse 13. You can go with me in your Bibles. The Bible says they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. James chapter 5, verses 14 through 15 Listen to what the Bible says. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Notice it's not the oil that makes the sick person well. It's the prayer of faith. But why then anoint with oil and pray the prayer of faith? I'll answer that in a moment. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well, and the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. I want you to notice something, that the power of God does not lie in the oil, but it lies in the act of obedience in faith, with oil merely as a point of contact but it has not lost its power. It has not lost its significance. It was used to separate people in the Old Testament, and trust me, in the New Testament, it is used to anoint men and women of God. You see, although Jesus was not anointed with oil, in the following verse, we're gonna see clearly 
that the anointing and the power of God came on Christ at a specific point as he entered into ministry. Now, this scripture helps us understand that the purpose of the anointing is not to benefit ourselves. It is not to benefit ourselves. It is actually to benefit others. Go with me to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Look at what the Bible says. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. I think it's important to mention at this point, Pastor Theo always draws our attention to it. Notice it doesn't say God anointed Jesus Christ. It says God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Why? It was referring to Jesus's humanity. Because up until this time, Jesus had not stepped into ministry. No one had believed him at this point in time. He hadn't turned the water into wine yet. Acts 10.38, he first had to be anointed at baptism. Look what it says. How God anointed Jesus' humanity with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went about, look at this, the result of being anointed, right? Was how he went about and went around doing good. Say this, the anointing releases power in my life for the purpose of doing good. The anointing isn't there to give you a great experience in quiet time. It's not for you to feel goosebumps. The anointing's purpose is to equip you for the very thing that God has called you to do. Here lies the challenge. If you don't step into what God has called you to do, why do you need the anointing? And that's when the anointing begins to wane. I'll get to that in a moment in answering that question. So the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him. You see, when you're anointed, you never have to be concerned whether God has got your back or not. Because when there is an anointing, God has always got your back. And when the anointing is present, the power of God is always present. Why? Because with the presence comes the power. With the anointing comes the power. How many of you are looking forward to receiving an anointing? Amen. An anointing to influence. Praise the Lord. That's what we're trusting the Lord for tonight. Let me be clear at this point. There is only one anointing. I say this because so many people run around looking for the anointing of John and the anointing of David and the anointing of Samson. And there's, there's, only, there's only one anointing. Take the pressure off yourselves. There is only one anointing. You don't need to go around collecting anointings. So then the question is, well, if there's one, only one anointing, why do I have to come up and be prayed for? The answer is quite simple. It's because the anointing wanes. Take a look at Matthew chapter, chapter 25, verses 3 and 5. This is the story of the five wise and the five foolish virgins. The difference between these two groups of virgins, one ran out of anointing, whether the other, when the others made provision for the anointing. It says the five who were foolish didn't take enough oil. They thought the anointing they had today they would keep forever. But let me tell you folks, in my experience, and you speak to any man of God, the anointing wanes. 
So what is it that you're coming up here to do today? Perhaps the anointing has waned in your life. Perhaps you've become distracted. Perhaps you've become selfish. And you've spent so much time worrying about your own needs, your own wants, your own desires. You've been in, you've been in self-preservation mode. You've been in fight and flight mode. I just need to make it through. And as a result of that, you've not been putting yourself out there. For that reason, the anointing begins to wane. So I'm asking you to come forward tonight. If you're serious and you're saying, Lord, I need to be topped up. I want you to come forward tonight for an activation. Because you do have an anointing. But sometimes it just needs to be replenished, just like an oil lamp. In the old days, they used to put a wick into an oil lamp, right? And they'd fill the, the lamp with oil, and then you'd light the wick. The wick would draw from the oil to the top, and the oil would burn. But when the oil ran out, what happened? The wick began to burn. And you see, that's what happens when the anointing begins to wane in our lives. Life becomes difficult. Witnessing becomes an effort. Guess what? The wick begins to burn, and the wick was never meant to burn. It was the oil that was meant to burn. And so tonight, as you come forward, perhaps with your mind's eye, you're coming forward as a lamp that's empty with maybe just a little bit of wick that's left over and you're saying, Lord, I can't burn like this anymore. I need to trust in the Holy Spirit. I need an anointing from the Holy Ghost. If I'm gonna influence people, I need an anointing, no longer to be distracted, but to focus, to loose the bonds of the oppressed, to help the people just like you've spoken about in Isaiah. How many of you are ready to receive an anointing tonight? Can I see your hands? The Lord's gonna do something significant tonight. I believe it with all of my heart. I believe the Lord is gonna do something very unique and peculiar in your life tonight. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, guess what? Life's just going to be a little bit easier. The wick is no longer going to burn tonight. Tonight, the oil is going to catch fire. Amen. Can someone say, Lord, light me up? Someone say, Lord, light me up. Light me up, light me up, light me up. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 18, the Bible says, When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the hands of the apostles, he offered them money. The point I'm trying to make simply uh, as I come to land this plane before we pray is simply that the anointing would be passed on through the laying on of hands. Now, no one laid hands on Jesus, as I mentioned earlier on, but throughout Scripture, we can see that the Lord uses men of God who are anointed by God in order to transfer the anointing onto others. That's what's going to happen tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6, Paul speaks to his spiritual son, and he says, for this reason... I remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. We can, receive an, we can receive an anointing when hands are laid upon us. We can even receive gifts when, the, when, the hands, when hands are laid upon us. And closing off, if you think you're here tonight and you think, you know what, Pastor Andre, it's all good and well for you to speak, but you know what, I, I don't have an anointing. Well, let's ask what the word says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20. The Bible says, but you have an anointing. You just haven't recognized it yet. Let me tell you what, you can have a million rand in the bank account in your name, opened by someone else. But unless you got the PIN code, unless you know about it, you're never gonna make a draw on it. Let me tell you, many of you have got a billion rands worth of anointing, if I can, and without being blasphemous, you've got that anointing on the inside of you that just simply needs a little bit of activation. The Lord says you have an anointing. Say this, the Bible says, I have an anointing from the Holy One, Nochal. 
You're not going to be getting an anointing from Pastor Andre tonight. You're going to get anointing directly from the Holy One. And I believe, let me tell you, when hands are laid upon you, I might not be operating in the fullness of this anointing, but it doesn't mean you can't receive the fullness. Guess what? Because the anointing doesn't come from me. It comes directly from heaven. All the Lord is going to do tonight is use me as a conduit, and He's going to bless you. And then in 1 John 27, 227, my final scripture, as for you, the anointing you received from him, past tense. The anointing you receive from him remains in you and you do not need anyone to teach you, but has, as his anointing teaches you about all things and, is that, anoint, and that anointing is real. It's, no, it's not a counterfeit. There is no substitute for the, what the Lord is gonna do for you tonight. It's not counterfeit. There's no substitute. Just as it has taught you, Remain in Him. You want to be anointed, you've got to remain in Him. You want to know how to retain the anointing in your life? This is almost so, it's so simple. It's not rocket science. But I need to hear it and you need to hear it. If you want to know how to continue working, moving, living in the anointing, changing people's lives under the anointing, there's four things you need to do. Number one, you need to read the Word of God daily. It's a source of the anointing, number one. Number two, you need to pray daily. You need to spend time with Jesus every single day. I'm not saying three, four hours, but you need to be in contact with heaven through the word in order to remain anointed. The third thing is you need to walk in love. That's a biggie. You need to walk in love. The reason Jesus flowed so freely in the anointing is simply because he continued to walk in love. And then finally, according to 1 John 2, 27, the Bible says you need to remain in him. So you need to live a holy life. You need to lead a separated life. Won't you bow your heads and close your eyes and pray this prayer with me as the band begins to worship the Lord. I'm getting ready now to come down. And, and if you could do me a favor, if you are here tonight and you can pray in the Holy Spirit, won't you just begin to do that? I know this is not normal practice for congregational setting, but I'm gonna ask you, if you can pray in the Holy Ghost, let's create an environment for the Lord to move. I want you just to slowly begin and quietly begin praying in the Holy Ghost. Let's pray together. Father, as we come before you tonight, Lord, I know that there are many hungry people, many hungry people here this evening, Lord, but not hungry for themselves. Perhaps they came here tonight and they were hungry for themselves. They wanted answers for themselves. But we've clearly seen in Isaiah that if we would just shut that off for a moment, if we'd forget about ourselves just for a moment, if the prayers that we prayed were just not about me, 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 I, 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 but really, Lord, if we could just touch heaven with the needs and the hurts and the pains and the loss and the poverty of those around us, Lord Jesus, that you would rock up and that you would transform and change us. My Father, tonight I ask in Jesus' name, that your good and perfect gift that comes from you would flow through me as I lay my hands upon these folks tonight, as I anoint them with oil. Lord, I pray according to Scripture that you would rub a bit of yourself onto them, your nature, your character, your power, all of the attributes, Lord, that they need in order to change their world, all the attributes that they need in order to influence the people around them. 
as they wake up tomorrow and go to their workplace, Lord God, as they go into their world, that there would be a marked difference in the name of Jesus, that the power of God would follow them, that people would know these are people I can approach, these are people that will, these people have answers in the name of Jesus. That's the stirring I have on my heart tonight. As we worship and as we praise tonight, Father, I thank you for your anointing that not one will leave without a greater anointing than when they walked in here. And I ask this in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Let's worship together. And if you want me to pray for you, I'm gonna ask you to come to the front and I'm gonna lay hands and anoint you with oil. If you're seated, continue to pray as Andrew and the team worships right now. I'm telling you folks, I feel the presence of Jesus in this place. I feel the presence of Jesus in this place. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Oh God, we worship you. Hallelujah. The Lord's doing something. I've not been here for a couple of weeks. And let me tell you, whatever this, somebody's been doing something. But the Holy Ghost is in our Sunday night service. If you aren't here, yes, be back next Sunday evening. Be back next Sunday evening. I love it when God surprises us, don't you? Don't you love it when the Lord just throws out a surprise? Thank you, Jesus, we worship you. Hallelujah. Anyway, there are people here tonight that want to give their hearts to Jesus. Yes, in this craziness, I know you're here and you say, yeah, I've got to get in on this. I don't know what's going on here, but I need to get in on this. I need the joy of the Lord as my strength. If you're here tonight and you want to surrender your heart to Jesus, I'm not going to embarrass you and ask you to come to the front. I just simply want you to raise your hand in the air. You can stay standing. I want you to raise your hand in the air and say, Pastor Andre, please pray for me tonight. Tonight, I want to surrender my life to Jesus at the count of three. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. God bless you. There she's raising her hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God bless you guys. I see your hands raised. Keep your hand up. God bless you, sir. <laughs> Listen, third time's a charm, right? Third time's a charm. He waited, I went round, he said, not yet. Went around, he said, not yet. Third time, he said, yet. And the Lord touched him and, and anointed him. Praise God. Keep your hand raised if you want to give your heart to Jesus tonight. Come on, let's give him a great God bless you. A great God bless you. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask a leader of the church, please, if you wouldn't mind just going and laying hands on these people that raised their hands tonight. And I want you to pray this prayer with me, even if you're online. I don't know what's going on in your house, but I bet you haven't even got to your dinner yet. I think the Holy Ghost is still there. But if you surrendered your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer after me. Everybody, let's say this together. Heavenly Father, tonight I acknowledge that I'm messed up. I'm a sinner that needs saving. And you are the only one that carries the words of life. You are the only one that can save me. So tonight, Lord Jesus, I shout your name and I declare that Jesus is Lord over my life. From this day on, I will serve you. I will love you and serve your people. Save me tonight. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and I make you my Savior. Come on, let's give him a warm Christian family church. God bless you and praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. 
If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. 